begin in the word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Your word is power. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you are the God that provides for us. Father God, you have been faithful to us even when we've been unfaithful to you. Father, you have been a source of encouragement, a source of strength. And God, you have never failed your people. And so this morning, God, I pray that as we dive into the riches of your word, that you will speak to our hearts this morning. And Lord, we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 8. And we'll begin reading in verses 2 through 4. Deuteronomy chapter number 8, verses 2 and 4. And you shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you to know what was in your hearts, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by uh, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell for these 40 years. Do you hear that? 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Father, help us as we study. I get excited about talking about the provision of the Lord. And the reason why I get excited about talking about the provision of the Lord is twofold. One is because when I grew up, I didn't have much. I learned at a very, very early age because my mother taught me of how the Lord will provide for his people. But not only that experience, but in my walk with God, and now I'm entering into my 20 years of walking with the Lord, I have seen the Lord provide over and over and over again. Amen. You as a believer, if you look back over your life, you can look back and you can say, you know, there has been some difficult times and my faith has been stretched at times, and it's been a little bit difficult. And, and sometimes I didn't really know how this thing was going to turn out. I didn't know where it was going to come from. I mean, I just had no way of knowing. But when you look back at it, you will see that God still made a way for you. I can remember back when we first got started, me and my wife just believing God one time. And I had a, we had an electric bill. Electric bill was $400. And I remember sitting there praying like, Lord, how in the world am I, with at that time, two kids and a job that I just started, how in the world am I going to pay this $400 electric bill? And I remember that God supernaturally provided. And he took care of that. And in fact, 
Time after time after time, we kept finding ourselves in situations where we were saying, God, how, how are we going to do this? Lord, how are we going to get through this? And every single time, God made a way. And you know what happens is when we're going through difficult times, you know what happens? If you're not careful, you can forget what God did for you. Because you remember the children of Israel, the whole book of Deuteronomy is about remembering. Moses basically goes back and says, look, let me give you a history lesson on where God brought you from. So that where he's taking you, once you get to your land of promise, you won't forget. So he says, so Moses began to tell them. He began to remind them. He said, you know, you know, it was 40 years you was walking up in this wilderness. And your feet did not swell. Your, your shoes, I mean, you still had shoes. You still had clothing. Yes, it was tough at times. But you know what? I still provided for you. Because, see, what happens is if we're not careful, we can look at our current situation and we can get all flustered and get all worried. And, and, and something about writing stuff down. Amen. You ever write down what God's done in your life if you haven't tried? Just wrote down, okay, when I prayed, when I prayed and when God answered that prayer. Right. I remember one time the devil started getting me all in fear because I was trying to figure out how I was going to pay this and how I was going to make this and how this was going to happen. And I remember I ended up pulling out this little journal that I had. And the whole thing was just filled with answered prayer. <laughs> filled with, and I said, and I saw the list. I said, wait a minute. I prayed this, I prayed that, and I saw a pattern. Because we forget sometimes how God provides for us. We don't mean to forget, but that's why that's why you got the right stuff down. He says, don't I want you to remember, don't you forget what God has done for you. And you can look back at your life. You're thinking right now, I know the wheels are turning. Everything you've been through. Yes, it's been tough at times, but you know what? God has provided, hasn't he? And I'm looking out at you right now. You look pretty good. Every one of you, you look like you're blessed. That's right. But you need to know something else. That God will continue to provide for his people. He says, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Talking about the provision of the Lord. I remember when we first had started our ministry in the basement of our house. We all grew to basement. Not only that, there was putting holes all in my walls. It was time to go. The kids actually met in the basement. We actually met in our family room. And, uh, and so then we moved to the clubhouse, a choir harbor clubhouse. They had a country club out there. So we met there for a period of about six months until all the neighbors started getting upset. You know, people just started taking out all our little directional signs that we had up there to point people to where they can come and worship. And so some of the people in the community just got, just got mad. I mean, we were, we were paying nice money for these signs, and they, they, would, they would just be gone. We had permission, and then we began to praise the Lord. What are we going to do? Because, you know, obviously we're just getting started here. We don't have much resources. These people are taking us. What are we going to do? So one of the members of our church at the time said, you know, uh, this new school had just opened up. Margaret Brent Elementary School. Y'all remember that school? That's when y'all came. School had been a year in the making. Had it been open for only one year, so we struck up a deal and ended up meeting at the school for about 800 bucks a month at Margaret Brent Elementary School. But then after a year had expired, the Stafford County Board of Supervisors decided, and I always thought that it was the direct their way of trying to send a message to the church, 
But they had decided to jack up the rent like three times wow. as much. And so we would have been going from paying $800 a month to almost $3,000 a month. So how many know that a brother got on his knees and started praying, Lord, what are we going to do? Now, let me tell you how God provided. So here we are. We're in this place, this nice building. It's right off the of main road, and, and, and we can't afford it. So we prayed. So then one of the members of the church, he said, we could use this place for free. Now, let me, let me explain something to you why that's important. Because right around that time, we had lost several key members of the church who were really a part of my leadership team. And so we were in a situation, not only could we couldn't afford the place that we had, but money had dropped way down. So we were basically starting all over. We had a few families left. And so we ended up here in this place. And so that we could begin to reestablish ourselves. You, you see the pattern here. Amen. You see, every single time there was an obstacle, God provided. We had one of our most faithful families who were part of our ministry who had been just, a, you know, every ministry had what I call these, uh, they're workers. They just, you know, they're, they're there. They're serving every time, you know. And, and we had this family that was just a beautiful family, still are a beautiful family. And uh, they had decided to go in a different direction. And, and I remember looking at my wife because they were the most faithful people that we had in the church. I said, what are we going to do now? Because it wasn't an issue of whether or not we was called. It was an issue of, God, what's the next step? Right. See, because God's calling and his giftings are without repentance. In other words, when God calls you to do a work, his calling is on your life. I never questioned the call of God on my life. But I begin to say, Lord, okay, what's next? Because something is happening here. The very next week, was it the next week? Yeah. It was the next week the Lord sent the Hubbards. The next week, and they have been even more faithful than the other family. They serve. They give. They work. They are there all the time. Anybody who knows anything about this ministry knows that the Hubbards are an integral part of our ministry. The point I'm trying to share with you is that God keeps on providing for his people. I've seen him provide. But how many know that provision does not come without opposition sometimes? Paul put it this way. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, he says, For a wide door for effective service has opened to me. In other words, God has given me an opportunity. God has provided me a, a platform by which I can preach this gospel. But he says this, but there are many adversaries. Did y'all hear that? See, just because things get a little bit hard, just because they don't go as smoothly as we like, does not mean that God is not in the equation. Quite to the contrary. <laughs> Oftentimes, when you're in the will of God, when you're doing something that's going to really make a difference for God, you're going to face some major opposition. Show me a church that everything goes smoothly, there are no problems, and there are no issues. 
I got to wonder if God's involved in that process. There's a pattern I was sharing with my wife the other day, just yesterday. I said, honey, you know, it seems that every single blessing, every time God makes way, every single time that God provides for us, there's always something that tries to come against us. Every time God makes a way, I said, baby, it seems like every time we take a couple of steps, there's something that just keeps trying to pull us away. And I spoke with a bishop friend of mine yesterday. He just started laughing. I said, brother, I'm sitting here talking to you and you laughing. What's wrong? Come on, brother. I'm, you know, talk to me. He said, brother, you're right where God wants you to be. He said, every minister, every pastor have to go through. Every church got to walk through this. I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, every one of them. A wide and effectual door has been opened to me, but there are many adversaries. God provides, but with the provision come challenges. And we got to understand that challenges is a part of the equation. So he tells the people of God in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says to them, remember what God did for you. You remember that, yeah, you were in the wilderness. It was hot sometimes. Your meals may not have been as nice as it was in Egypt. You remember one time the children of Israel were tempted. They said, we could go back to Egypt where they had the leeks and the cucumbers. You know, I, I, I want to go back in the bondage. And when they were in Egypt, how many know they were screaming and yelling, get me out of here? How many of you were screaming and yelling where you were? And then you, you, you come to a couple little bumps in the road. I want to go back. Because we don't process and understand. The blessing of God oftentimes comes with opposition because where you are now is not where you're going to end up. Are, are you tracking with me this morning? It's not where you're going to end up. So he says, I want you to remember your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell 40 years. And I don't believe they had a large wardrobe. Come on. <laughs> they didn't have, he said, no, no, let me tell you something. In fact, God said, I gave you food from heaven. How do you like God just to drop stuff from heaven? Boom, eat this. God said, I fed you from heaven that you might know. Here's the key. That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know what God wants to get us to a point? Like those little birds. You ever seen little birds in a nest that they sit there and they tweet, tweet. When mom comes with the little worm or whatever the food, the birds all got their heads up like this and they're just waiting God wants us to that point where we're just waiting. The Lord, I can't make it without you. God, I need you. I got to have you. Lord, unless you come and feed me, I will not survive. God Lord loves it when his people are trusting in him that yes, way. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct your path. Trust means total abandonment. It's good, but it's scary, ain't it? Better said than done. Because trust often involves you getting your hand off of the wheel. <laughs> and for some of you, like myself, who like to be in control, that's a very scary proposition. To take my hands off of the wheel, trust you, Lord, like that? <laughs> See, that's what God wants to get us to, that place. Turn with me to Genesis chapter number 12. Are y'all tracking with me? I'm going somewhere this morning. It's going to get better and better as we go. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, now look at this. Now, all of us are familiar with this 
Abraham, a man of God. Abraham is considered the father of our faith. And we're going to talk this morning about Abraham, and I think that we will realize very, very clearly why Abraham is considered the father of our faith. Look at verse number 12, chapter 12, verse number 1 through 3 are the verses that we're going to read. Now the Lord has said to Abram, watch this, get out of your country and from your family. Now, I want to stop right there. I, I mean, I'm tempted. I'm trying hard to contain myself. But, you know, I got so much going on in here. I just got to get out of your country. Get out of your place of familiarity. Leave your comfort zones. Leave everything that you have built and where you built it. Are y'all getting the picture? See, God is establishing. God is about to deposit a dream and a new vision into Abraham. But in order for this dream and new vision to take place, Abraham got to leave everything that he's familiar with, and he got to latch on to God. In other words, he got to trust God now. Get out from your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. <laughs> and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, now watch this. The, pre the prerequisite for Abraham to receive the blessing was he had to step out. And oftentimes when God wants to prepare to provide and bless us, he wants us to step out of something. Step out of your doubt and your unbelief. Step out of your addiction. Step out of your anger and your pride. Step out of pride and covetousness. In other words, step out of so that you can step into. So God says to Abraham, get out of your country. Wait a minute, God. You don't understand here. Wait a minute. I got a business here. I got my investments here. I got all my, everything I'm familiar with. I mean, you know, we all like the familiar, familiar stuff. Nobody like change all that much, do they? If you don't believe it, look at the current situation in our country. Nobody wants change. It's easier said than done. But God tells Abraham something that Abraham had not heard up to this point. You got to leave. In other words, the blessing that I want to bring about in your life, Abraham, is going to require you to have to trust me to provide. So here's what I want you to do, Abraham. I want you to gather everything up that you got, and I want you to hit the road. Now, what if, I want you to think about this. What if God came to you and said, okay, now I know you're all going to say, you know, we can easily answer because we're reading the scriptures now, but Abraham didn't have this. <laughs> So can we look at it like Abraham? Abraham didn't have the whole Bible. Like, uh -uh, he didn't have this. And God walked up to you and said, look. And, and now, Abraham was rich. Abraham already had substance. Abraham was secure. And God walks up and says, I got a proposition for you. Leave everything. I'll hit the road. Take it all with it. But, but we got to go. 
Now, I may be tempted to say, okay, God, um, can you like, give me some details about this plan? Here's what he tells Abraham. I want you to leave everything you got, and I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you later. No, 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 no. Wait. You mean to tell me you want to come to me and ask me to leave a place where I'm already prosperous? I got all my roots right here. Everything I built is right here. You want me to up and leave and go to a land that you're going to show me? Well, God, can you like tell me now? No. (laughs) I just want you to get up and go. But here's what I will tell you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to curse your enemies. But you got to trust me that I'm going to provide because you have been living accustomed. You have been accustomed to providing for yourself and 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 trusting yourself. But now I'm going to wing you off of yourself. Oh, glory to God. I'm going to wean you off of yourself till you got to rely on me. God does it to every one of his true servants. Everyone, if you say, I want to get deep with God, are are you serious? Do you really want to know God in a deep and intimate way? Do you really want to, do you really want to know God? You know, people use terms very, very loosely. Because you want to know God, let me tell you something, he's going to take you to some deep places. That's why God told Abraham, I ain't going to show you everything. If I showed you everything, you might mess it up. You'll get scared. You'll get fearful. I can't show you everything I'm going to do. Just trust me. He's saying to some of us, just trust me. And so then God comes. Some of us have dreams. We have visions and aspirations that God has placed in our spirits. And God is telling you to trust me. To bring it to pass. It's like that missionary who or that person that's doing very, very well financially and all of a sudden they leave their job. I had one guy one time on my my current occupation, he decided after about 10 years on the police department, he decided, I'm just I'm going to the mission field. And I remember every one of them said, you are out of your mind. You have kids. At that time, he had three kids. All right. He have three kids. He has a wife. He has a job that he's already 10, 12 years into. And you're just going to up and leave and go to China. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You know, you know, you know what he said? I got a promise from God. So I'm going to drop everything I'm doing here and I'm going. Now, to the world, that doesn't make sense. They look at that and say, you're, you're out of your mind. Why are you wasting your, why are you doing all this? Why do you go to church every Sunday? Why do you give your time? Your re- why are you doing all that? Because I got a word from God. And when I get a word from God, that's all I need. I don't need all the details. Just give me a word. Abraham knew this. Now watch this. This word that Abraham had, and the word is, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Everything else Abraham did subsequent to that was based on the foundation of the word he got from God. Everything else, uh, everything sprung off of a promise. Because he didn't have the manifestation of it at that time. He didn't have the manifestation of what God was doing. All he knew was God said, I'm going to bless you. Okay, can you, okay well, how are you going to do that? 
Can you, Lord, like lay it out? If that was me, I'd be like, Lord, lay out a plan so that I can see it. (laughs) And God says, I'm not going to lay out a plan. You just have to trust me. God says four key areas that God said, I want to bless you. He says number one about this blessing. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. See, that speaks about longevity. When God says to you, I'm going to make of you a great nation, God is doing something in you that is going to supersede your life on this earth. Watch me now. Because see, some of us, we got to understand that the Bible says that some of those in the Old Testament, they died without the promise. They had not received the promise, but they embraced it afar off. Because they had an eternal perspective. So how many of you want to be blessed in such a way? The real blessing is that when you leave the earth, your legacy will continue. How many know that's blessing? That when you leave, the people are still talking about you and not in a bad way. (laughs) That you left a legacy behind. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. It's longevity. God, when God comes to bless us, God really blesses us. He says, I'm going to make you a great name. In other words, you don't have to try to exalt yourself. You don't have to worry about trying to please man. I am going to give you a great name. I'm going to give you a good reputation. You don't have to worry about trying to please or satisfy anybody. I'm going to make your name great. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Oh, glory to God. I feel good this morning. Then he says, I'm going to make you a blessing. See, most people think that blessing is just about God meeting my need. It's all about God just meeting my need. God, you know, that's good, God meet your need. That should be a byproduct, though, of your ability to be able to meet the broader need yes. of the kingdom of God. That's when you're blessed. You're blessed when you have an unlimited amount of wealth, where, where, where at any time you have an abundance But not only you can meet your need, but brother, I got something to help some other folk too. And now I'm entering into a whole new level of blessing. Most people want to stop at Lord, just meet my need. They want to stop right there and they're satisfied. They're praising God. Praise him. That's good. Praise for what he does. But that ain't the totality of the blessing that he want to bring about in your life. The real blessing is when you come to me and you say, Pastor, I need this, I need that. And, you know, we we need to send some missionaries. We need to go over across the world that there's resources that God has provided for us. That we can sow into that. He says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. See, this blessing that God was talking about with Abraham, watch this. God was saying, Abraham, you don't have to defend yourself. I'm going to defend you. How are you going to do that? God said, I'm going to bless those who bless you. And I'm going to curse those who curse you. See, when God puts a call on your life, God assumes all the responsibility to bring it to pass. Remember, God is talking about the Lord who will provide, right? And so we're talking about trusting in God, believing God, doing what God says, and believing that he will provide what is needed for the journey. And God said, if you trust me, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. In other words, I will be your defense. I'm going to protect the thing that I put in your heart. You don't have to worry about it, Abraham. Just trust me. Just trust me. (laughs) 
Look at Genesis chapter 22. We're growing. It's getting better and better. Genesis chapter 22. Because God takes Abraham. Abraham is our example of, I believe, what God, how God wants us to operate in life, how he wants us to think in life. Abraham and Sarah, you know, Sarah was pretty old. I believe, like in the late 70s at the time, and Abraham in his 80s, I mean, he's pretty old. And it was right until the 90s when they had their, their promised child, Isaac. Remember, God said, Abraham and you, all the family of the earth was going to be blessed. God was talking about the seed. The seed was Isaac. Yeah. Now, so here God gives a promise, right? He gives a promise. He says, this seed is going to come out of your loins, not somebody else, your loins, and Sarah. And this seed is going to be the link that's going to cause all the families of the earth to be blessed. But now we see a strange phenomenon about to happen here in Genesis chapter 22. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, let's read it. Because it doesn't seem like it matches up well. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. I want you to get everybody to say tested. Because that's important. You've got to remember that. God tested him. Now, God doesn't test us to fail us. The devil do that. The devil wants to get us to fail. God tests us to prove us, to make us stronger. Now, it came to pass after these things that, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son. In fact, Abraham, just in case you're not sure, it's the one whom you love. <laughs> and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now, you think the brother might be confused at this point? But boy, something about Abraham that's just remarkable. This brother had a faith of the ten. He was tenacious in faith. He had a bulldog kind of a faith. That no matter what happened, what came about, he did not waver. The scripture said that Abraham never wavered, but he just grew stronger in faith. Amen. Woo, glory to God. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, his baby, his boy, split the wood for a burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, how many know you got to be obedient and do what God tells you to do? If you're going to walk with God, you got to walk with him. Amen. Right? Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Three days journey. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. Did y'all catch that? Okay, let me, let me, just in case you missed it. God told Abraham in the beginning, Take your boy, the son, the one that you love. Take him to Moriah, and I want you to offer him as a burnt sacrifice. That to me sounds like this boy is supposed to go bye-bye. But Abraham says here, before he's going up, he sees the place that he's supposed to go, that God told him where to go. Abraham says here, they, say, they, they, they have this conversation. He says to them, he says to the young man, he says, look, stay here with the donkey, 
and the, the lad, my boy, and I will come back. One place in the scripture, I believe it's in, in, in Hebrews, it says that Abraham had so much faith in God that he believed that even if he had to kill his son Isaac, that God will raise him back up because God gave him a word. And God cannot violate his word. He never will. God is not a man that he should lie. So Abraham knew that even if God told me I got to slay the boy, he got got to come back up because God already gave me a word. So you know what? We're going to go and worship, but we're bringing the boy. Me and the boy, we're both going to be coming back. Amen. Now you see why Abraham is called the father of our faith. Glory to God. Boy, think about how we would be if we were to trust him like that. Now look at this, verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Now he wasn't playing. Look at this. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, look at his boy. He said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, this is my baby talking to me. Come on. This is my baby talking to me. Where's the wood? What's up, dad? What are you going to do to me, dad? What's up? Abraham, he's, look, at, look at verse 8. Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. This does, it doesn't, it doesn't. Something's wrong here. I mean, Abraham's saying God is going to provide. God is going to provide. God is going to make a way. God is going to make a way. So Abraham takes the knife. It is, it's not a picture here of, okay, God, um, say something. No, Abraham stretched forth his hand, and he is about to do the do. He's about to slay his own son. You're talking about a faith. But at the same time, he's thinking, God is going to provide. God is going to provide. He gave me a word. He can't go back on his promise. In Genesis chapter 12, he told me he was going to bless me. He told me that this seed right here, in him, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He told me that. So he cannot, he cannot take this seed because he gave me a word and a promise. Some of you got a word and a promise from God. You don't know the details of how it's going to turn out. You got a calling. You got something that's been birthed down on the inside of you that God has stirred you to something. And, and, and you're sitting there, you're thinking, how am I going to do this, God? How is this thing going to come to pass? You don't even know all the details, but what you do know is you got a word from God. You know that you've been called. You know that you've been destined. You know that you have a purpose. You know that there's a dream in your heart that God has placed in your heart, but you just don't know how it's going to come to pass. But all you need is what Abraham needs. I just need a word from God. I got his word, and therefore everything else in my life, every decision that I make, I'm going to make it based upon the word that he spoke to me. He's not a man that he should lie. 
He is not a man that he should lie. If God said it, that settles it. I've seen that on the bumper sticker. I've seen it on the bumper sticker. If he said it, that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, it is what it is. So, look at verse 13. Then Abram lifted up his eyes. He looked there behind him, and a ram was caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, watch this, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Glory to God. See, one of the things you got to understand about God, that if you're going to walk with God, you got to be prepared for some unconventional ways. Oftentimes, when God is doing a work in your life and he's about to bring a promise or dream or something about in your life, he's going to ask you to do stuff that doesn't make sense. Why do I need to walk around the city for seven days? And on the seventh day, I'm supposed to shout and the walls are supposed to come down. That don't make sense to me. I mean, I probably, if a leader came up to me, Moses come up, uh, 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 who was it, Joshua at the time? Joshua come up to me. He said it to me. I'd probably be like, man, what's, have you been praying? You've been smoking crack or something. What are you talking about? Walk around the city. Don't make sense. You remember the uh, commander Naaman? Naaman had leprosy. Man, the guy said, go dip your head in some filthy, dirty water. Oh, well, there's some clean water over here. Why I got to go stick my head in that? Why did God do stuff like that? Because he wants you to trust him. He wanted to get you into a, see, some of you are in uncomfortable places and you're right where God wants you to be. Because you don't have a clue how you're going to get out. You don't have a clue of how it's going to turn out. You don't know. All I know is I'm trusting him. But then you're in the sweet spot of life. That's where you want to be. You want to be in a place where you just got to trust God. Because, see, that's one thing to know the word. But it's a whole other thing, brother, to have to live it. Don't give me all this stuff. Listen, I've known good preachers and I've seen preachers stand up there and they can quote the word of God and they can quote scripture and, they, and they're good. they know the word. They know all the theological concepts about the Bible. They know its history. They know its authenticity. They know all of that. But have you lived anything? Have you taken that book and put it to work in your life? Because I want to see it manifest. Are you with me? I want to see it work. So here's what God brings us to a place of knowledge. He brings us from a place of knowledge, right, to practicality. To whereby now he's going to put you through the stuff so that when you stand and give your testimony, you're speaking from a place of authority because you've been there. You've done that. You know what you're talking about. So God brings into a place where I got to trust God because I find myself in a situation and I'm not very comfortable here. But God gave me a word. Abraham, he climbs that mountain. With his boy. And you know when he's going up this mountain? He is not there thinking, I'm going to obey God uh, if the conditions are right. There's no doubt. He's not, 
taking his son up there and at the same time saying, well, I'll, I'll figure out what I'm going to do when I get there. See, some of us wait to obey God based on the circumstances and the situations. If everything is just right, God, then I'll do what you tell me to do. Uh, 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 uh. You got to come to a point that, you know what, if God says, this is what I want you to do, I'm doing it. Amen. Pastor, show it to me in the Bible. Is that what the Bible say? No argument from me. Amen. That's a real disciple, right? Because now I'm at a place, I'm not just talking, I'm not just, you know, I'm at a place where I really just got to trust God. I'm going to walk out. If God says this, and this is in his word, then I'm going to obey his word. I'm not going to sit here and argue about anything at all. I'm not going to sit here and debate. When, when God asks me to do something, it's not a matter of let me wait and see. The Bible says now is the time of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice. God may know tomorrow is not promised. He says, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Now is the time to obey God. If you see truth revealed in the scripture, now is the time to obey God. Abraham had a kind of faith that he obeyed God. He had the predetermined in his mind that he was going to trust God and he knew that God would provide for him. Amen. And when he arrived at that place where he had to make the sacrifice, guess what God had already had planned for him? Do you think that that ram just showed up out of nowhere? Just happened to be in the thicket at that particular moment, at that particular time? Think about all the times you've been worried. Oh, God, how am I going to do that? And you find out God already had your back. God already had the provision for Abraham. Before, it, before he went up there, and you know what? Something in Abraham, he knew that. He said, God's going to provide, brother. I'm just going to do what he said. It don't make sense to me. I don't know. I don't know. But I know he's going to provide. God has already, whatever you're going through this morning, God sent me here to tell you that he already have a ram in the thicket. <laughs> that ought to make you smile. God said, I got a ram. It's okay. I got a ram in the thicket. I got you covered. I've already figured this out way before you got here. I'm just taking you on a journey. I'm just bringing you to a place where you will learn to trust me. Yes, I let you go hungry a little bit. I let you have to sweat it out a little bit. I let you have to go through all of that for a little while. But I have a ram in a thicket already prepared for you. Enjoy the journey while you go. So that when you get there, you're not saying, man, I should have been walking in faith. I should have believed. I want to get there saying, I knew all the time that God would make a way for me. I want to be able to go there and say, I knew it. I knew he was going to come through for me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The provision was already ready. Finally, 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm not going to read it for time's sake because we have to do communion this morning. But 1 Kings chapter 17 Verses 1 through 7. And you can read this in your own time. <laughs> well, you know what? You got it up there. Let's go. Y'all ready? Okay. Yes. Elijah the Tishbite, one of the inhabitants of Gideon, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lived, therefore, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Mm-hmm. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook of Cherith 
which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. How do you like to eat bird, eat, have birds feed you? Oh, glory to God. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. You see, that's the key. You got to do what the word says. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. I don't know what kind of meat it was. Because <laughs> some, let, let, <laughs> uh, you got some bread. Let me tell you something. You know, when bread don't eat, that stuff usually ain't cooked. And you don't know how long that stuff been setting, but this was anointed because God had ordained this. So you know it had to be good. Bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while, watch this, that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me share something with you. Think about this now. This brother had, now, I want to remind you that he still haven't had this showdown with the prophets of Baal yet. That's, that's still to come. You know, when Jezebel gets mad and he goes off and he gets depressed. None of that happened yet. So Abraham is still, I'm sorry, uh, Elijah is still in the, in, in the prime of his ministry. And he comes to this place, right? And he's sitting there and the brook dries up. Now, he's been taking care of. Birds been feeding him. God's provided for him along the way. It may not have been exactly what he wanted. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to eat some beans and hot dogs. That's just like manna. Sometimes you got to eat some beans and hot dogs and eat spaghetti for a week. But God will provide for you. You see what I'm saying? So, the brook dried up. Now, for some of us, when the brook dried up, God has abandoned me. Maybe God haven't heard me. Maybe this thing is, is over. I mean, the brook has dried up. There have been some things in your life sometimes that it dries up. It seems like there's no life. It seems like it's the end of things. But in actuality, it's not really the end. You just got to readjust. Yeah. See, sometimes the end of things does not mean that it's the end of your ministry or what God has for you. Oftentimes, it is just the beginning. It is a platform to a new level. So just because the brook dries up in one place, don't you start doubting God. You need to begin to thank God because there's something greater that he has for you. He's about to take him to a whole nother level. So he says, God says, okay, this chapter is closed, but now I'm going to take you to another level. So in order for me to get you here, I got to shut this down. Because if I don't shut this down, you'll get too comfortable. And you want to stay here. And so in order to get, you remember persecution came to the church? You remember the early church in the book of Acts? It wasn't until the persecution came that they began to spread. And they began to spread, they began to take the gospel everywhere they went. But the persecution had to come first because we sometimes get real comfortable. Come on. We get comfortable in places. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like this. I want to stay right here. And God said, no, time to move. Brook dried up. Got to go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Does not mean that God ain't with you. That's right. 
Just mean that he said, I'm going to take you to another level. In order for me to get you to where I really want to take you, you got to get up out of here because you'll sit here and you'll be fat and happy thinking you're blessed. And you haven't even, speak, you haven't even begun to imagine what I have for you. That's what he's saying to So just because the brook dried up, just because it seemed like, it seems like that your dream has been aborted, your destiny has been discarded or somehow God has forgotten you and forgotten you. Oh, no, 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 no. God just readjusting you. <laughs> I was telling the folks, I said, you know, I was sitting there the other day. As I was meditating in his word and God was saying to me, you know, and I was taking pictures. I remember we just started redoing things here recently. We just renovated things a little bit and, you know, got some chairs. This looked really, really nice. And God spoke to me yesterday. God said, but see, that's why I had to dry this brook up. Because, see, in order for me to take the ministry to where I want to take it, you can't stay here. Because you want to just sit and you're fine with this nice little thing. That's good. But what I'm taking you, I got to dry it up because I got to get you moving. And it's sometimes when affliction and persecution comes, I believe God brings it in order to reestablish us. Because if we didn't get it, we'll be, we'll be complacent. That's good. That's good. The children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. For a while, though, everything was lovely. But then God, then there's, uh, there, there's another king who did not know Joseph. <laughs> they have a clue. And he persecuted them. They cried so much, Lord, get us up out of here. God said, Moses, I'm going to raise you up to go get my people out of there. But it was through the persecution. It was through the hard time to get them to a place where they realized, I got to go. I can't stay here. So some of the persecution that y'all dealing with, some of the stuff, it's just God just readjusting you. That's all. He's going to provide for you. And nothing has changed. It's just about to get better. Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed.